0: Many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and driven by strong winds, They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Father, we uh, recognize uh, that we do fall short in, in the areas that are so visible to others, areas of our tongue, what we speak. Lord, you said that death and life is in the power of the tongue and that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I I pray, Lord, this morning as Jackie brings the word that you would do a work in our hearts that it might be expressed with the words that you would have us say, that they could bring life, Lord. And we just thank you for your ability that your word as it goes out this morning will not return void. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: I like James. It's an intensely practical book. If you remember last time we were looking at the concepts as we opened the Word to the idea of fruit following our faith, right? That the, the, the root of our relationship with God is our faith, but the fruit comes from the root. If the root's alive, we talked about it, remember? If the root's alive, tree bears fruit. If the root's dead, tree's dead. And that's what James was talking about last time. Remember, if, if you have faith without works, it's what? Dead. So the fruit, the evidence, the fruit, shows us that the root of the tree is healthy. That what we say with our mouth, that I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's easy to say. But what's the next part of Romans 10, 9 and 10? And believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. So you have this idea of confession, and you have this idea of faith. Faith is the root, confession is the fruit, the willingness to stand with Christ, to stand for and by Him. So as we come to chapter 3 of James, and we begin to open it up, he's going to lay out for us uh, what that looks like. Sometimes you might say, well, what does fruit look like? I don't know, what's the fruit of my life? We can talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We can say, well, it's uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So, so if I see those things in my life, is, is that what I'm looking for? Well, James, anticipating the question, moves right to a great area in which and through which we can see the living fruit of the root of faith in our life. Where we can see the faith in God blossoming forth and bearing fruit. And the one thing that James points to that maybe we weren't anticipating is the tongue. He says, oh, you can see it in the tongue. In fact, he gives us this concept, the fruit of a mature believer. What is the fruit of a mature believer? Well, he tells us right here. Look at verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a stricter or greater strictness. I think one of the things he's pointing to, he's talking about fruit. And what is the way many people want to say, well, my life will be fruitful. I just need the opportunity to teach. If I can teach, that'll show fruit. So James butts right into that concept. He says, whoa, let not many of you become teachers. And there's a couple of ideas, a couple of concepts that you want to look at. One he's is the idea that that sometimes in a, a young believer or somebody not quite ready is so willing to teach and so wanting to teach and so desirous of opportunities to teach that they can't learn anymore we had this saying i don't know where jason heard i heard it from jason he said uh, you can't fill a cup that's already full well you already think you ever try to teach somebody who already knows it come on y'all have experienced it somewhere right Trying to teach somebody who knows already. They know already exactly what to do. I remember I had a kid one time was a tailback for me when I was coaching football in California. And he come from New York, I think is where he came from. And he comes up, comes to practice and he says, hey man, coach, I'm your new tailback. I'm like, cool, that actually sounds pretty good. (coughs) We got a small, small crew, small group. So uh, that sounds good. So I start trying to talk to him. And he already knows more than I do. Or at least he thinks he knows more than I do. And so I could, that kid would not let me coach him to save his life. So let not many of you become teachers because sometimes the idea in our mind, we're a legend there before we ever are a legend outside of it, right? You've heard the saying, he's a legend in his own. Yeah. Let not many of you be teachers. The Bible has this idea that we should allow every man to teach us. Sometimes I've said it myself. I've said it myself. I've come into a church. Maybe I, I, I see the, the I'm expecting a certain pastor and somebody else is there. Like if you come to see me, you might get Daniel or Jason. Or I. in my case, I was visiting somewhere else. And I thought I was going to get this great experience of seeing this. But he was on vacation. And, and uh, so I have this attitude, right? When I sit down, well, now I'm not going to get anything. That's a bad attitude. When the Word I have... We get, there's a young man sitting right up here when we were worshipping. I don't know if you guys get to hear him. His name's Raven. You guys met him when Daniel taught, right? <laughs> Raven's pretty high-strung. Uh, but he's a great kid. Love his guts. I ha- he was in my group in VBS. We had a lot of fun together. But... Um, when uh, when when we're doing VBS and we're sitting there talking about something and he could, we were we were talking about Jonah I think Jonah and the whale and he goes into what he knows about Jonah and the whale now here's what I could do oh listen i don't know i don't know how old raven is maybe 10 12? you're kidding me oh now you don't know <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. So, so Raven, anyways, I could say, what do you know? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years. I can't possibly learn from, uh, is that true? Look, if that's your attitude, you better check it. Cause it ain't good. Yeah. Jesus said from the mouth of babes, he has perfected praise from the mouth of babes. He has perfected praise. There's nobody we can't hear from if you have, what did Jesus so often say? Let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So we want to have that. We want to have ears to hear. So part of the idea, let not many of you be teachers, is not have this lofty idea that, that I'm somehow in the stratosphere in my understanding of Scripture, and nobody can teach me. Let, don't be like that. When we're moving toward the concept, remember James has been talking about the fruit that comes forth from our faith. And the and he, first thing he lays out is, it's kind of cool to me, because he says, the first place he jumps is, now I told you that faith without works is dead, so let not many of you become teachers. Because he's thinking already in their mind, people are thinking, well, then i got to go teach something, so that I can show my fruit. And then he's going to say, no, I, I want you to look someplace else. I want you to look someplace in, a, in some way different. So there's a lot of warnings, a lot of concepts scripturally that the Bible talks about when we, when it talks about our tongue and how we should use our tongue and how we should use our speech. If leadership entails responsibility, right? He said, let not many of you be teachers because you fall under stricter judgment, right? Conviction, condemnation, whatever the, (coughs) the version is that you have. It's all the same idea. Well, James has a lot to say about that. The whole chapter three is is all about the tongue. But in James one nineteen, remember he said this Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So one of the first things he tells us about our tongue is we should learn to hold it more. You guys want to practice right now? Just take two finger to the tongue. He's saying we should learn to hold our tongue. In chapter 1, James 1.26, he says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Now the idea of the word religion, that's not relationship. What's religion? Religion is, is the outward action, outward flowing. It's the idea of work springing forth out of our faith. It's what do I do now that I believe in Christ? So he says, well, if you if you say you have this, if you say, "Hey, I, I'm religious. I got this together." Now today, that's a different meaning, right? We use the word religious if we go to church. Oh, I'm religious. Well, not really. <laughs> Let me tell you what you're religious. You're religious about football. Now, Jackie, I don't watch football. Okay, well, you're religious about something else. Sewing. I don't know. But you're when. A, what do I mean? Football game comes on a TV. I've been at a dude's house, i got no problem standing up in front of a TV, lifting their hands up to the sky, and shouting their praise at a touchdown. (laughs) (laughs) Woo-ha! You're religious about something. You love football, and it comes out how? In how you act. If you love Jesus, it should be the same way. It comes out in how you act. But listen to what he says. If you say you're religious, but you can't hold your tongue... Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. In James 2.12, he says, So speak and so act like those who are going to be judged under the law of liberty. In other words, let your conversation become like the man you follow. The law of liberty, the law of freedom, that I'm following Christ, that Christ has come and ushered me into freedom. He completed the law. If I'm in Christ, so have I i got to be in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 tells me how I get in Christ. I get in Christ because I heard the gospel. I put my faith in it. I believed it. And then I was transformed. I was transmuted into the body of Christ, which is what we call a church. The body of Christ. Now, in the body of Christ, I find myself in the law of liberty. What's that mean? Jesus doesn't have to command me. I want to do things to please Him. When I married my wife, I was under the law of liberty. I wanted to do things to make her happy. Wait, I want to do things to make her happy. I'll be in trouble for past tense and that later. <laughs> so we should speak. That should be the way we talk. That should be the way we talk. James 4.11, we'll get there six months from now. It says, do not speak evil... <laughs> against one another only some people are laughing because some people are going that's the truth he's not going to get there (laughs) do not speak evil against one another brothers the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law judges the law but if you judge the law you're not a doer of the law but a judge he's saying look don't speak evil against one another brothers he's saying how do you talk about one another how do you talk about other people that you know are believers? How do you talk? And, it, and it, goes, it runs the gamut. See, the thing that James points to when he says, I want you to think, when I think of works following my faith, James says, I want you to think about your tongue. How you talk. How you talk to people. How you talk about people. Because if Jesus Christ has changed you from the inside, it begins to change what comes out. Isn't that what Jesus said? Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. James 5.12 But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or from an oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, that you fall not under condemnation. So James says in James chapter 5, a lot of things James has to say in the whole chapter of 3. I didn't read any of those, but we're going to go over those. But the idea, when we look at it, how are you talking? What's your tongue doing? And this becomes a very important concept in your life, guys, because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if Jesus Christ is king of the heart, the first place I should see it is in the tongue. How we talk. What we say. How we think. How we, how we share those things. And the use of the tongue, guys, the use of the tongue is a fruit of faith all throughout Scripture. In fact, we're doing Proverbs on Wednesday. Proverbs has been a great study. Uh, the first... <coughs> Nine chapters are all about wisdom. And in the first nine chapters, you have three chapters where wisdom is personified. And you see Jesus Christ as shown to us as wisdom. Which confirms what the scripture says in Colossians. That all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ Jesus our Lord. That he is wisdom and knowledge. So if we want to understand wisdom coming from our tongue... Great place to look is in a proverb. So in Proverbs, we're just gonna—I'm just gonna read a few of them to you. But it's out of Proverbs ten <clears throat> is where we'll start. Proverbs ten nineteen to twenty one. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. Well, how did wait? How how did how did James say it? Be slow to, because uh, if you speak a lot, you're gonna have a lot of transgression. <laughs> I did your mama tell you if you can't say another nice? See, it all come out of the Bible. You didn't even know it. It all come from... What, what's the point? If I'd if I be quiet longer, I'd have less things to apologize for. Yeah, that's the truth. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Over and over again, he, he's going to compare the, the wise to the fool. And what's he saying? The righteous, the, the, the wise, what's he do? He thinks about how he uses his tongue. Proverbs ten thirty one: The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue is cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse? How you talk. Proverbs eleven nine: With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. But by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. Did you know you can destroy people with what you say? Yeah, for sure. How many people you think gossip has destroyed? I bet we don't want to know. How many have we hurt with our own gossip? <clears throat> Proverbs 12, 18 and 19. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Proverbs 13.3 Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 15 A a soft answer turns away wrath. That's one of Joe's favorite. But a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fool pour out folly. Verse 4 A gentle tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Verse 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the heart of fools. Uh, Verse 23, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. Verse 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked just pours out evil things. Chapter 16, verse 1, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Verse 13 of chapter 16 Righteous lips are delight of a king he who and he loves him who speaks what is right verse 21 the wise of heart is called discerning and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness verse 23 the heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips proverbs 21:23 whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble the tongue. First place James points to practically to say, how do you know the roots of your faith that you say you believe? How do you know that the root of your faith is bringing forth fruit? Look at verse 2, James 3. For we all stumble in many ways, but if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. That word perfect is the same Greek word from which we get mature. Not perfect like he never does anything wrong. He just said we all stumble in many ways, didn't he? We all stumble in many ways. But if you don't stumble in what you say and how you use your tongue and how you speak, that's a mature man. The fruit of maturity in the life of a believer is his tongue. How he uses his tongue. We stumble... We stumble in many ways. We stumble in words. We stumble talking too much. We stumble all the time, often. Is there anybody who doesn't stumble anymore? So I love how it begins, for we all stumble in many ways, all of us. We stumble, but if we want to understand the definition of a mature man following Christ, he gives us that in the next sentence. But if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's perfect. He's mature. He's grown up. All of those things, that that, that word points to all of those things. If anyone does not stumble in what he says. Listen to what Jesus said, because we want to come back and and just really hear his words. In Luke 6.45, Jesus said, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. James is going to spend a whole chapter on controlling our tongue. I wonder how much time or thought we put into it. Most of mine is damage control, to be honest. It's oops, I started a fire, get a fire extinguisher. You know, the, the famous, what is it, 12 words to, to end all the fights? How's it go? Uh, I'm sorry, I was wrong please forgive me, I love you. See, my wife knows them. She can... <coughs> She hears them all the time. But here's what the Word of God is saying to me. When that stuff comes out of my mouth, we just had communion. Part of communion was doing what? Let a man examine himself. And a lot of times we may examine ourselves and we may say, oh, I think I'm doing pretty good. Well, you should take a tape recorder with you and tape you all day. And then play it back. Because out of the abundance of the heart, what's inside your heart is what comes out your lips. Critical, complaining, whatever things that, that we, if we were listening to them in somebody else, we would have very little patience for it, right? So we want to we recognize, Matthew 15 verse 18, Jesus is being confronted by the, Pharisees and they're asking him how come your disciples don't wash their hands If they don't wash their hands they're going to become defiled it's it's going to make them a sinner because they didn't wash their hands here's what Jesus said he said well what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart that's what defiles a person what comes out of the heart what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart The, the defiling for a man is already in him People don't like to hear this. Look, we look at, hear stories, we look at news, and we think, man, I could never do that. Have you ever said that? You should chop them words up, put them on a plate, and eat them. Because the same wickedness in that person's heart is in yours. We all got it in us. Jesus Christ is the one that washes it clean. Look what he says in verse 19 of Matthew 15. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. This is what defiles a person. To eat with unwashed hands does not defile a person. No matter what your mama told you. What is in a man. And what's in a man we can tell when it comes out of a man. So what's the result? If I don't stumble in what I say, the next thing he says is he's also able to bridle his whole body. Now, how many of us have wrestled with sin in our life? Sin that so easily ensnares us, a weight that snags us, things we struggle with. Now, they're not all going to be the same things, but we may all have a particular battle we're battling with and we're having a hard time controlling our bodies to make our bodies do the things we know are good, the things we know are right. So we, we wanna have victory over sin. We talked about that in the, at the, at the youth retreat this last weekend. We wanna have and experience victory over sin. But here's what he tells us. If I wanna do that, if I want to curb evil action in my life, it started with what I say. And most of the time we skip that, guys. We go right to saying, I'm gonna control my hand. I'm going to control my thoughts. I'm going to control my whatever the area of our of our lives are that we are struggling in, that we need to control. But the idea that the Word lays out for us here in verse uh, 2 is that if he doesn't stumble in what he says, he's mature, he's perfect, and then he's able to bridle the whole body. He's able to control the body. Where the body wants to go, what the body wants to do, he's able to control it because he has learned to control his tongue. Isn't that crazy? I know for, for years I skipped it. My wife and I have had the same exact argument for 30 mm, years. How many? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just take it now. How many? 31? I knew it was more than 30. That counts for something, right? We've had the same fight over and over and over again. let see if any of you guys can relate with this. So, somebody out there is going to be able to, because there's got to be somebody like me in this crowd. At least one person. So we have this fight. Kathy will tell me, I'm rude. You're rude. Now, I think I'm direct. <laughs> and she thinks I'm rude. And we've, we've had this conversation we have it all the time huh i hadn't been that long ago since last time we have this conversation and uh for the most part to be honest for 31 years i pretty much have tried to sell the deal that um this is just how i am i can't fix this this is uh but i don't know what else you want me to do it's like um i would have to take myself away and all you're left with is nothing because I had to take it all away because that's just that's how ingrained that is. Just just one small problem. Yeah, God says I can control my tongue. God says I can. Now there's nothing wrong with being direct. So direct is helpful. I like direct. <clears throat> I like it. I don't have to think. Whoa, 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 what is it? What do you think he meant by that? No, I know what he meant. He looked right at me and said, if I did that again, he'd sock me in the eye. That was direct. Stop now. That's what that means. I got it. I I understood. It's the beating around the bush I struggle with. I'm I'm not sure what that meant. Anyway, so the Bible tells me that I can control. I can control my tongue. And if I do, it will give me the ability to steer the rest of my body In directions that I want it to go. I don't want to be. I don't want my wife to feel like I'm being rude to her. I don't want. That's not my goal. Well, the Bible says I can can get control. I can see that change. I can see that differ. If I decide, you know what? I need to do something about what I say. The way I say what I say. Because it will guide the rest of my body. Romans six thirteen says this, guys. Um, in, the, in Romans chapter six, the Bible is very clear. It says, "Should we who believe continue to live in sin?" So that question's thrown out there. Should we continue to live in sin? And Romans chapter six says, "How can we who have died to sin live any longer in it?" If we died to sin. So, so we should probably get the idea of sin. I kind of, I kind of tried to work the idea of sin down with the kids when we were up in the mountain and, and hopefully it was helpful. But the idea of sin, guys, we, we get this all messed up. We, we, ever since the fall of mankind, ever since the fall of mankind, man has declared his independence from God. And at that moment, we decided, I'm going to decide what's right and wrong. And God don't know what he's doing. And that's still our problem today. The problem in our culture today—the the 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 banging of heads and the and the different views and all that stuff—simply comes from the reality that if you leave God behind, all you're left with is absurdity. What do I mean? Well, you think this is right, and they think that is right, and what's the truth? Well, I don't know. The guy who's got the biggest army is the guy that's got the truth, right? The guy whose might makes right. And that, Is that how it works? But if we take God, if you say that the Word of God has nothing to say to us about our morality today, if you say that, you're left with absurdity. Because once you're left with absurdity, then everything goes. And you say, oh, no, no, Jackie, come on. We, I always hear all these dumb arguments when we talk about um, marriage in our culture today or when we talk about <coughs> um, Transgender folk, or we talk about all this stuff, and it 's all this hate speech, and look it ain 't hate speech guys it 's love speech here 's love speech, love says that road you 're on leads to, to destruction as love hate the Bible says a parent who hates her child never disciplines him. The Bible says a parent who loves his child disciplines him promptly that 's love, love corrects love wants to see people on the right track but what do people declare no we declared our independence i the bible has nothing to say about morality today there's a lot of people who say that well if that's true if you have declared your independence from god that's sin god has gave us a place where we ought to walk in obedience to his word and here's that place that is called submission to god Submitted to God. Over here, rebellion against God. Submitted to God, God's right, I'm wrong. That has nothing to do. I'm not am I talking about performance? Not talking about performance. I'm talking about how I see where I find my truth. God's right, I'm in submission to God. That's a good place to be. Life flows from that. Over here, rebellion against God, I'm gonna decide for myself. Isn't that really what Adam and Eve did? I'm gonna decide for myself. Now man knows, like us, good from evil. What is he saying when he says that? Man's deciding for himself from now on. And that we've been doing a bang-up job ever since. Haven't we? Bang-up job. Look, guys, if I, if I reject the Word of God, if I reject Christ, if I reject God, then by what standard can you tell me that Hitler was wrong? Why is it wrong to kill Jews? For that matter, why is it wrong to kill babies? For that matter, who cares what anybody does? Everybody should just do whatever they want. By what code are you going to go by? If you put God out, you have nothing left. You have my reasoning, my ideas. You have political climate. Oh, I'm, I'm Republican, I'm Democrat, I'm Constitutionalist, I'm all these different things. and And... <clears throat> One group says, no, we're right. We've got the right way. No, we're right. We got. It. No, we're right. We got. It. Nobody's right. Because none of them are in submission to God. In submission to God, that's where we want to be. Submitting to Him. When we submit to God, guys, then now we are able to comprehend this word, this word that we want to understand of sin. Romans 6.13 says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Don't Give your body, don't take your body, stand in rebellion and do whatever you want. If you're a believer, if you're a believer, you should be on this side, submitted to God, following his word. Now there's a lot of things I read in God's word and I scratch my head and I go, now I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with that. So what do I do? I submit anyway. Because if I take God out of the equation, what am I left with? You think you're right, I think I'm right, they think they're right. Everybody fighting, everybody throwing rocks. How's it working out so far? A lot of peace? But it doesn't seem to be what I watch on the news. But if we were submitted to God, could there be peace? Yeah, why? That group says, the Bible says this. That group says, the Bible says that. Well, how do we work it out? Well, sit down in the middle and open a Bible. Because the absolute authority is it. Not what you think about it or what they think about it, but what does it say? Can that be known? Yeah, it's not that complicated, really. It ain't. It ain't. It can be known. It can be understood. So we don't want to present our bodies as as members for sin, <clears throat> but rather we want to give our bodies, uh, present ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. So we want to give our lives to God. God, now I want to bring forth life. When I was over there in rebellion, the result is death. Now I'm in submission, the result is life. You guys get what I'm saying? So we, we want to stand in that place, submission to God, submission the, to God's Word. This is what God's Word directs, this is what God's Word says. And if I'm standing here in this place and I want to be able to give my body to God so that I start acting like I ought to act, what part of the body should I start with? That tongue. I've missed that before. Oh, the tongue. Yeah, I need to learn to tame that. I need to learn to bite it. He's going to give us two illustrations, the last two verses of James. Look at the two illustrations. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide the whole body as well. See the illustration understand what I was just talking about. I want to be able to present my whole body to God to obey Him, not in rebellion against God to sin. So I'm going to give my whole body to Him. But if I want to give my whole body to Him, He says, just like a horse, you put a bit in a horse's mouth and you can make him go wherever you want him to go. If I want my body to be in a place where I'm submitted to God and I'm bringing forth life, then all I have to do is get my tongue under control. My tongue will take my body where it needs to go. What's the bit? The bit that goes in my mouth that that controls my tongue is the Word of God, guys. The Word of God is the final arbiter of truth. You want to sit down and argue over the Word of God? I'll do that with you all day. I like doing that kind of stuff. Let's sit down. Let's dive in. Let's dig it out. But you know, the bottom line is, it's not the hard parts to understand that we struggle with. It's the easy ones. Love your neighbor. That doesn't seem that complicated. If you love your neighbor, will you gossip about them? Oh, let's go back to the beginning. Love your neighbor. Husbands. Love your wives, children, obey your parents. These are not complicated. It's not the, trust me, guys, it's not the complicated things that get us. It's not like, oh, you know, Jackie, I, I was reading through the book of Job, and I'm, I'm wondering if it's allegory or not, or maybe it's an old poem. You know what? It doesn't really make a difference either way. What are we doing with the stuff we can easily understand? Jesus said, do good to those who abuse you. Is that hard to understand? You know what, if you read it in the Greek, what it says? Same thing. Do good to those who abuse you. Do we understand what that means? Are we in submission to God? Well, part of getting in submission to God, bringing our body under control, seeing fruit flow out of the faith of our life, is to learn to bridle our tongue. And I bridle my tongue by making it submit to God's Word. The bit is the Word of God. The Bible says that should bitter and sweet flow from the same fountain. Now, I've been hiking. You guys ever been up, maybe hunting up in the mountains, you get way up in the mountains and run out of water? Has that ever happened to anybody? Dude, it has... I'm like a fish when I'm hunting. You, there's not enough water. I can't carry enough water on my back. Every time I stop, i got that hose in my mouth and I'm going...
0: <sighs>
1: oh. yeah, it probably has something to do with all the monsters I drink the rest of the time. <clears throat> but one time, me and Robin were out. And if you ever have to go hunting with Robin, God have mercy on your soul. It's like chasing a billy goat to the tops of the mountains. He goes up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Holy my goodness! I think we did like 42 miles one day. By the time we got to the end, literally, this is what we did. You ask them. We laid down and fell asleep. There could have been deer walking over looking at us saying, what do you think these guys are doing? I don't know. That one over there is snoring a lot. Why do you think they're out here in the middle of nowhere? I don't know. Sure good thing they got here though. Then they walk off, and we wake up, go, man, there ain't no deer on this mountain. <laughs> uh, maybe there was. But on the way back, I run out of water. Nothing. It was like, I'm like, back then I had water bottles. I was putting a paper towel in it to just try to get any moisture to squeeze into my mouth. So we find a deer creek. Deer creek was running there, so we get down to deer creek. I don't care, guys. I hear people tell me all the time what's that stuff you're supposed to be worried about? Giardia Schmardia. If I'm thirsty, I'm drinking it. <laughs> uh, and you know the good news? If it's a good creek, good stream with good water, it's good. And I don't go down and drink it and go, oh, man, that was really good. And the next time I go down, oh, that's salt. And then the next time I go down, oh, that's bitter. And then the next time I go down, oh, that's sweet. No. The stream is the stream it is. It's either good or bad. You getting what we're laying down? The idea is bitter and sweet shouldn't flow from the same place. It shouldn't come from the same place, man. Our our hearts should have flowing from our hearts that fresh water, fresh water that comes from the Word of God, the Word of God correcting and directing us. In verse 4, he gives us another example. This time, he says the tongue's like a rudder of a ship. Same point, both ways, right? You guys get it? Look at the ships. They're so large, and they're driven by strong winds. They carry a lot of weight. They can go wherever they need to go, and they are guided by a very small rudder. You look at the size of the ship and the size of the rudder. What's his point? We're just like that. We're like the horse that needs to be directed, we're like the ship that needs to be led, needs to be guided. Both of those things are guided by a rudder. The rudder in our lives to walk and to to be and to do the things that God wants us to do is our tongue. And if we want to start bearing fruit in our life, the place we start is with it. What are we doing with our tongue? How we speak, why we speak, what we say. To bring that into subjection to Christ. Here's how... Paul would direct us, he would say, bring every thought captive. See, if I bring every thought captive, I caught it before it came out. You guys with me? Every single time in my life, in 50 some years, every single time that I have snapped open my mouth and said something, it's been bad. Every single time. And sometimes, I'm always thankful for the times I didn't say it. Because, you know, it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> Once you do it, you can't get it back. But as I, as I look at it, I realize, if I would just bring those thoughts captive, just slow down. What, where does this thought come from? Is this a thought that's coming forth out of submission to God's Word? Right? Standing where I want to present my body to him to bring forth life? Or is this a thought coming out of rebellion? It don't take very long to figure out, does it? The next thing is is we have to fight the yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. There's nothing. No buts. Every time we say the word but, you erased everything you said in front of it. Oh, I think you're really handsome, but. What's that mean? You are ugly. That's what that means. (laughs) I think you're so smart, but that means I don't think you're that smart. So we just have to bring that into submission to the final arbiter of truth, which is the word of God. Now, how am I going to know how to do that? How do I practically do that, guys? I have to be in it, don't I? If you're never in the word of God, you're not going to know what the word of God says. So I have to be in the Word of God. I, I want to be submitted to His Word. Man, there is so much incredible, beautiful concepts that we can glean and draw from as we work our way through the Word of God. The Word of God is full of life. And you want to see something truthfully that really <coughs> hopefully open your mind to the Word of God? Read the longest Psalm in the Bible. Do you know what it is? Psalm 119, the longest Psalm in the Bible. It's all about the Word of God. Extolling the beauty of God's Word. Another thing that I try to encourage people to, there's most of the time, you can read a chapter of Proverbs every day. If you got 30 days in a month, you'll get an extra one. The 28-day month, I don't know what to tell you. You have to read a couple extra chapters. But there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. Read a chapter a day. But don't be in a race Read it, hear it, understand it, slow down and say, what did that say? Did that say I should start thinking about what I'm saying, how I talk, how I treat people with my words, the words that I use toward others? Because I want to bring those things into submission to God. When we look at the, that last verse, verse 4, look at the very end of it. It says, they are guided by very small rudder, Wherever the will of the pilot directs. Who's the pilot? Yeah, that's an important one. There's a famous bumper sticker. God is my co-pilot. Well, you better let him drive. (laughs) I don't know what you're doing. Lord, sit over there. I got this. You just help me out if I do something dumb. That will be all the time. Why don't you just let me drive? Let Him pilot. He directs us wherever the pilot. God's the pilot. The tongue is the rudder. God's the pilot. The Word of God is the bit. The tongue is how the horse is controlled. All of these things have to deal with very practically, how do I live out my faith? Learn to control your tongue. How do I live my faith? Learn to control your tongue. Psalm 1914. This ought to be our prayer. This ought to be our prayer today. In mornings moving forward, it says this: "Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time we can share in your Word. We thank you for the opportunity to uh, to just dig in, to find, Lord, the things, the practical things that James lays out for us. So vital for us. I hope, God, we really have gleaned this concept, that it's the, it's the tongue that will guide us. It's a tongue that will get uh, the rest of the body will follow. Because the tongue... Shows us what's in the heart. God, I pray, Lord, that you would be sitting on the throne of my heart. Because Romans chapter 6 verse 12 tells us to not let sin reign. Not to let sin sit on the throne of your heart. Because then what comes out of my mouth will always be sinful. But to let Christ reign. Let Him be the King of my heart. Let Him be the King of my life. All of those symbols show forth the idea that I am in submission to what God says. This is where God directs me. This is how God calls me to walk, to be, to know. Lord, I pray that 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 would be our heart. That we allow those things to be true in our life so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, my thoughts, they would all be in submission to you. <clears throat> that they would be following you. And maybe then, Lord, all these things I've been struggling with, struggling with having the kind of love for others that I need, struggling with the kinds of behavior that are supposed to be evident in my life, the kinds of things that that should be flowing forth through in my life. God, I, I, I should have those things. I pray, Lord, you... Just bring the tongue into submission. That I submit my tongue to your word. And when I do that, I will submit my hands to your word. And I will submit my feet to your word. And I will submit my mind to your word. And maybe when people look at the church, they'll see what they're supposed to see. God, I pray that you would do a work in and through us, for, Lord, you are the rock, that thing which cannot be moved. You are the Redeemer, the one who takes all the things I mess up and make them right. Lord, you are everything that I need. God, I pray, Lord, that we would, as a church, as a people, be submitted to you and watch you do your perfect work. In and through us. Lord, we pray. Give us wisdom to control our tongues today, tomorrow, forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.